Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, and I know it is for several of you, welcome. My name is John. I am the lead pastor around here. Appreciate you checking us out today at our 1030 service. Um, it is a great time to visit because we're in this series, right in the middle of this series, that we have been calling Bite Size, where over the last couple of weeks and for the next couple of weeks, we're talking about these bite-sized nuggets of wisdom that you can find in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is located in the Old Testament. It was written by a guy named Solomon. Now, Solomon was one of the greatest kings of Israel. And according to Scripture, because of a gift bestowed upon him by God, Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. And so since that is the case, we thought it would behoove us, if you will, to sort of tune into his wisdom, find out what he has to say, and most importantly, begin to learn how to apply his wisdom to our life. Because according to Solomon, when you do that, it will make you, it will make your life better and it will make you better at life. And I feel like that's something we all want to do. Um, now, if you've been around DHC any length of time, you know that we like to keep things a little light up here. We try to keep it a little bit fun, even though we try to learn every single Sunday. But every single, you know, every message isn't always light. And sometimes you do hit upon a topic that is a little bit more serious in nature. That's today. Because the message that we're going to kind of go through today, I, I firmly believe could be perhaps one of the most important messages some of you might hear in your entire life. And when I say message, I don't want you to think it's important because I'm the one that wrote it. I mean, if anything, the parts that I did will just do like an injustice to it. But what I mean is the content that we're going to cover, the wisdom that Solomon is going to show us today has the potential, if we believe it, if we carry it out in our lives, it has the potential to transform the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see other people, the way that we interact with God. It has the potential to absolutely change the trajectory of your life. To 2,700 years ago, the wisest man who ever lived said, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, for as a woman thinks in her heart, for as a you know, middle schooler or college student thinks in their heart, so are they. And when God bestowed this gift of wisdom onto Solomon, he was able to discern that the thoughts that you think, the words that you say to yourself, the narrative that you begin to write, it directly and demonstrably impacts and shapes your life. Now, in recent years, um, there has been a whole branch of psychology that has developed called cognitive behavioral therapy. And what these psychologists, what these doctors have found is that Solomon was right. But 2,700 years ago, he hit the nail on the head. What these psychologists have found is that many of our problems are rooted in our faulty and negative thought patterns. And according to these doctors, according to these psychologists, eating disorders, um, relationship challenges, addictions, control issues, self-esteem issues, some forms of depression and anxiety, these things all stem out of, these things are all born out of our faulty and negative thought patterns. And according to these doctors and according to Solomon, 
By the way, whenever science and scripture are saying the same thing, you really want to tune in? According to these two groups of people, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Which means, when you look in the mirror today, that person staring back at you was formed by thoughts you had 10 years ago. Which also means, when you look in the mirror 10 years from now, that person looking back will have been formed by your thoughts today. And that's a sobering thought. So with that in mind, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? Let's be honest. Do you like the thoughts, do you like the direction that they are taking you? Do you ever put much thought into your thoughts? I mean, are your thoughts building you up or are they tearing you down? Do your thoughts keep you from trusting other people? Are your thoughts keeping you from the life that you want for yourself? Are they keeping you from the life that God wants for you? Do you find that your thoughts always seem to lean towards worst-case scenarios? Do your thoughts inspire you to take faith risks? Do they even reflect your faith at all? You see, at some point and at some level, every single one of us has felt like a prisoner to our thoughts. Well, today we're going to find out why. And today we're going to find out what we can do about that to begin to free ourselves from that prison that we so often find ourselves in. Now, I got a lot to cover with you today. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? It's, we got a lot of content that I need to get you through, and it's going to feel at times like you're trying to take a drink of water out of a fire hose. But if you're a note taker, all right, I'm going to walk you step by step how you can begin to reclaim your mind. Now, the first thing that we need to come to grips with when we're talking about our thought life is that we really need to understand that you are engaged in a battle. You might not recognize this, but every single day of your life, there is a real enemy that is launching attacks at you. For example, do you ever, like, do you ever wonder why you can't seem to shake that habit? You ever wonder why you can't, like it feels like you just can't connect with God? You ever wonder why you, you feel like you, like you lose your temper so easily? You ever wonder why you're consumed with worry and fear and negativity? Well, there is a reason. According to scripture, your mind and my mind is a war zone. And you're under attack. Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, he makes it very clear. He says this in Ephesians. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He's saying you might be living in this world, but your real enemy is Satan. Now, you might hear this and you go, oh, come on, John. Really? Satan? We're doing this? This is like, don't you think it's a bit extreme? Like, Satan? It's a little dramatic, really? That's how he wants you to respond. He wants you to ignore him. For as much pride as Satan has, for as arrogant as he is, he does not want any recognition. He wants you to doubt his existence. That way, 
He can just continue planting seeds of doubt or confusion or worry or anger or anxiety that will grow and grow and grow and potentially take over your life. So if we really are in this war that Paul says we're in, and I have no reason to doubt him, military strategists, they would say, well, when you're in a war, you got to name your enemy and you got to know who your enemy is. So who is our enemy? Who is Satan? Speaking of Satan, Jesus says, the thief, that's what he's calling him, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus would say, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So according to Jesus, Satan's sole purpose is to steal your joy, kill your hope, destroy your future. Nice guy. Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, he gives us a warning. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, he's literally talking to us, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, as humans, Satan hates you. Just because you're a human, he hates you. But as a Christian, he loathes you because he knows who your boss is. And he knows how the story ends for him and for us. And while Satan cannot physically touch you as a Christian without asking permission first, he can mess with you. So the big question is, how? How does he do this? It's simple. He lies. He lies. This is what he does. This is what he's been doing since the very beginning. Satan's strategy as the prince of this world, that is what his title is according to scripture, his strategy is to persuade you any way that he can to believe his lies and to incorporate those lies into your thought processes. Jesus said of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, I love this line, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. And so if Satan can get you to believe one of his lies, hey, no one really loves you. You're never going to be good enough. You? You can't change. You? You've made too many mistakes for God. And you, you're a victim. If he can get you to believe these lies, then he wins. Because a lie accepted as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Let me say that again. A lie accepted as truth, believed to be true, will affect your life as if it were true. If you believe the lie that no one loves you, then you will live as if no one loves you. If you believe the lie that you are never going to be good enough, then you will live your life as though you are never enough. And if you believe the lie that you're a victim, you're going to live like a victim. See, Satan's lies, they create these warped perception. And if we buy into this lie, that warped perception becomes our reality, which means you are, in essence, you're living a lie. I mean, how many of you hear this right now and you go, my gosh, this sounds so right. 
this is me. I feel like I'm a prisoner to my thoughts and it's affecting the way that I live. It's affecting the way that I work. It's affecting the way that I love. It's affecting the way that I see myself. That's the enemy. And you're beginning to catch him red-handed. So what do we do? What do you do to combat against this enemy? Well, Paul knew two things. He knew that the battle for your life is won or lost in your mind. And he also knew that your thoughts controlled you. And so you have to control your thoughts. Here's how he begins to describe this war that we've got going on. 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Why? Remember, our enemy is not our neighbor. Our enemy is not some other country. Our enemy is Satan. And so that being the case, we need to use different kinds of weapons with Satan. Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What Paul is saying here is that when it comes to the war for our mind, if you will, the lies that we believe, the lies that we have based our lives on at some level, those are strongholds. Now, in the original language, this, this word stronghold that he used, he was sort of painting a picture of a, of a heavily fortified wall, kind of along a castle, if you will. And these walls, according to this description, these walls have been reinforced so that the enemy can't get in. They have been reinforced to protect the people that are inside the walls. Now, the analogy that Paul is making here is that the lies that we believe are like these walls. But here's the difference. Rather than keeping out the enemy, they keep out the truth. Rather than keeping the people on the inside safe, they keep them prisoner. And because Satan keeps whispering lies into our ears, because we keep believing those lies, And because we keep living out those lies, those walls, those strongholds are getting thicker and thicker and thicker. Paul says when it comes to those walls, when it comes to those strongholds, we need to demolish them. And and the word that he uses back then, it, it, it means to almost bring down with violence. There's this explosive power to this word that he is using. And we as humans, we don't have that kind of power. That would be self-help. That only works for a little bit. And usually it's just skin deep. But God has this kind of power, this divine power. He has the power to absolutely demolish and annihilate the strongholds of Satan. And here's the good news. He's made it available to every single Christian. Here's how Paul describes it. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Now he's describing that power. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You know what that means? That means that you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have a supernatural resurrection, roll the stone away power available to you 
to bring down that stronghold, to change your mind, to transform your thoughts, and to win that war. Now, with that power, calling on God to give us that power, Paul says we are to demolish arguments and every pretension, the lies, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Meaning, every time we spot a lie that purports to be the truth, every time we spot a lie that tries to keep out, sets itself up against God's truth about our lives, we are to bring that lie down with violent power. But it's not that easy. And let me tell you why. Satan's lies are hard to spot. Satan is very smart. He has been doing this to human beings for a long time. And he is excellent at camouflaging his lies so that you can't see him. Because if you saw a lie coming, you, you wouldn't believe it. Right? You're smarter than that. You're not just going to fall for a lie. And so he hides it. He camouflages it. So while Satan's lies are hard to spot, the problems they cause, they're not. And you, better than anybody else, you know the problems that plague you personally in this life. And so what you need to do is you need to begin an investigation starting with the problems, starting with the symptoms of that underlying lie. You need to invite God to join you in this investigation. And with his help, with that resurrection power, you will absolutely, eventually follow that path. You will uncover Satan's lie that you fell for. See, maybe for some of you, maybe the problem in your life is debt, right? Just you can't stop spending, even though you are financially underwater. You gotta have the best car, you gotta have the best clothes, you gotta go on the best vacations, even though it is absolutely killing you financially. Bring this to God. Ask for insight. God, reveal to me why, why, why do I do this? This is a problem in my life. This is impacting my life. This is affecting my family. Holy Father, where is the lie that I fell for? And what you might find is that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe, hey, if you just had more stuff, you'd be happy. Maybe for you, your problem is worry. Okay, it's, it's, it's just, you know, you gotta, you, you know, you try to plan every single detail of your future because you can't stand not knowing the plan. Get alone with God. God, why do I do this? Why, why do I insist on, on being in control? And what you might find through prayer and asking probing questions is that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe, hey, God, he can't be trusted. Or maybe for you. Maybe for you, you are someone who is constantly constantly trying to seek others' approval. And you became an overachiever. 
when you overextended yourself in an effort to, to win the approval of others. Like whatever it is, you just seem to do everything so that others will think that you have value. Bring this to God. Ask for his insight. And you might find that somewhere along the way, Satan whispered into your ear and you believe, hey, your worth is based on what others think of you. When you take the time to get alone with God, when you ask with his help, probing questions of, of why you think the things that you think and why you do the things that you do, with God's help, you will uncover Satan's lie. Now, once you have found that lie, we got to replace it with the truth. Paul says, we are to take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Every single time we catch a lie, every single time we spot a thought that is destructive in nature, that is not God-honoring, we take it captive and we make it obey Christ, meaning we replace it with God's truth. Now, this is where we kind of reach back into last week's message. Because in order to replace Satan's lie with God's truth, you got to know God's truth which means we have to read the Bible daily, if possible. We need to meditate on it. We need to marinate in it. We need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God, not only to learn, not only to know God, but to protect ourselves. See, Satan does not want you reading the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is God's Word, and God's Word is truth. And Satan hates truth. He doesn't want you to know God's promises. He does not want you to know God's principles. He does not want you to know how loved you are. And he does not want you to know the good plans God has for you. But the Bible is our single greatest weapon that we have against the enemy. In Hebrews, we read that God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. Has it work? It cuts all the way into us, and it judges the thoughts and the feelings in our hearts, meaning it will root out that which is wrong, faulty, negative, and not from God. And it will replace it with that which is true and right. And once you know God's truth, you need to proclaim it. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, I'm talking like Matthew 4, I think it is, right after he got baptized, it says that the Spirit led him out into the wilderness. And he was out there by himself for 40 days, and he was fasting for 40 days. No food, no water. And at the end of these 40 days, he was in rough shape physically. I mean, he was a human, let's not forget. Rough shape physically. And it was in that moment that Satan himself appeared. And it's an amazing account. You need to go back and you got to read it for yourself. But in that moment, Satan himself tries to tempt Jesus into believing his lies. And every time that Satan presented Jesus with a lie, Jesus countered that lie by proclaiming Scripture. He literally quoted Scripture at Satan. And it worked. 
it says that Satan left defeated. James, who is the brother of Jesus, tells us, so place yourself under God's authority, resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Meaning, when we resist the lies of Satan by confronting him with the truth of Scripture, he will run away. He will flee. So what does that look like practically for you and me? How do we do what Jesus did out in the wilderness? So let's say, for example, that you are that person who struggles with worry, okay? You try to plan out every detail of your future because you can't stand not knowing the plan. And through prayer and asking probing questions, you found that the lie that Satan had you believe was that God can't be trusted. In those moments when you're feeling under attack, in those moments when when you're tempted to question God, you proclaim, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. I can trust God. He knows what's best for my life. And you push back the enemy. Let's say you're that person who struggles with debt, right? You just can't stop spending even though you are financially underwater. And you learned through prayer and asking probing questions that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe the lie that if I had more stuff, I'd be happy. In those moments when you're under attack, In those moments when you are tempted to acquire more, to fill some need, you proclaim, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. God has given me everything that I need, and I find my joy in him, not my stuff. And you push back the enemy. Or lastly, let's say you are that person who constantly looks to other people for approval. And after prayer and asking probing questions, you found that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe that my worth is based on what others think of me. The truth is, our value is not based on what others think of us. In fact, value is determined based on what someone would pay for something. And so in that moment, we are to proclaim, we are to remind ourselves that you were bought, not with something that ruins, like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. And if someone is willing to pay that price for you, If God is willing to pay the price of his only son for you, that means you have infinite value, regardless of what anyone might say or not say. And we push back the enemy. And finally, the last thing that we want to do in an effort to to restore peace up here in this war zone is we want to change our focus. If, If what Solomon is saying is true, then our lives really do move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. As we think, so we are. And with the way the world is right now, with just the the negativity and the hostility and the fear just 
coming at us in all directions, that will have an impact on you, how you think. That will impact you as a person. And so Paul gives us some very simple but phenomenal advice that can change the way that you just operate. In Philippians, he says, fix your thoughts. Zone in on. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. I mean, imagine actually focusing on just the good stuff in other people rather than the bad. That alone will change everything. He continues. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you have learned from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, when we fix our thoughts on Christ, when we surround ourselves with God's truth, when we tap into God's resurrection power, we absolutely can win the war for our minds. The truth will set you It's practical. What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week, we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So I do think it's fair to say that this whole message really is is one long practical. And if you are someone that kind of takes notes and you want to review how to do what we talked about today, this will be available immediately after this service on Facebook. It, it, It saves this live broadcast. You can go back and you can watch it there. If you don't want to do that, Mondays, Tuesdays, we usually get the audio up onto our website, soflowchurch.com, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can find it there. But if there is one thing above all else that we can take away from, from this message, it's that it's absolutely crucial for every single one of us to read the Bible. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. We should just mean, we got to be doing this, guys. Think about this. When Jesus Christ went up against Satan himself in the flesh, he used Scripture. Really let that sink in. I mean, when Jesus Christ the God of this universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the Messiah, the one who created everything that nothing was created if it wasn't through him. This God, when he went up against Satan's lies, he did not call down legions of angels to smite Satan. He called on Scripture. And it worked. And so must we. But the reality is, let's be honest, you and I, we're not we're not biblical scholars. We're just not. We don't, we don't have it memorized. But if we can begin to familiarize ourselves with some key truths and some key texts, I think, I think we'll have a fighting chance. To that end, our staff got together this week, and we just together poured over Scripture. And what we did is we compiled a list of verses that we believe would be most beneficial to you guys. And you can find that list using this QR code right here. And originally our plan was to print out a, sort of a pamphlet or a card that had all the, the verses on it, but I knew that you would lose that, okay? And I wanted you to have 
um, access to this scripture for whenever temptation strikes. So here's what I want to do. I want to call on my inner Adam Duckworth, right? And I want every single one of you to take your phone out right now. Take it out. Don't be weirdos. I can see you, right? Don't let Satan say, don't take it out. Let's take it out. Get your cameras out. Put it on the code. Follow the link and bookmark it. Put it, in, put it in the starred list. Put it in your regular bookmarks. Put it on your home screen if you want to really get to it. Because here's the thing. There is going to come a time. Thank you for taking your phones out. There is going to come a time, and it could be today, when you will have to combat a lie. And you're going to need to reference God's truth. And this is a great place to start. This is not a comprehensive list. This is just a jumping off point. Use this to dive further into Scripture for yourself. But keep this with you. I don't know the lies that Satan has been telling you. It is different in every single one of our lives. But I just can't leave today without speaking some truth over your life. If for no other reason than for you to hear it, and hopefully it puts you on the right path to waging this war. So I don't, need to, I don't know who needs to hear this. But you, you are not your habit. You are not a prisoner to your addiction. You are not failing. You are not unworthy of love. You are not what you did. And you are not what was done to you. You are not done. You are who God says you are. And because of Christ, you are loved. Because of Christ, you are forgiven. Because of Christ, you are healed. Because of Christ, you have been set free. Your God is with you. Your God is for you. And your God is enough for you. So, let your God change your thinking. Let him change your life. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come here today. Lord, we have a real enemy in this world. You have warned us about him. And yet every day he's whispering lies into our ears. And because we are so weak at times, we believe it. And it's made us prisoners inside of our own minds, Lord. But I pray that today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of that resurrection, Lord, you would strengthen every single one of us to take up the sword and to fight back for our lives. You died on that cross to set us free, Lord. But it's up to us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to fight for the freedoms of our minds. I pray, Lord, that today we would leave this knowing your truth, knowing who you say we are, not who Satan claims 
that we are. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for being a part of our lives. We place all this in Jesus' name.